Hello and welcome to the unofficial unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. My name is Tokyo Dan and with me as always to discuss all things exciting in the world of women's cycling is my dear friend Bristol Sarah. How are you Sarah? I am good. It's been a, a bit of an exhausting week. There's been a lot to talk about. <laughs> um, a lot to talk about and I can't believe that. Oh, I can't believe it. We've had the first ever Ardennes week. But my like week is not as exciting as Dan's. Dan is in Tokyo <laughs> right now. So he's not yes. as up to speed as things. And he's having an amazing time. And he's drinking... Uh... Yeah. This, this podcast is partly brought to you by Suntory Whiskey. That is true. Um, it, it, it is, it's been amazing. I mean, we've had, um, you know, Flesh Full On as a race in the Ardennes for quite a while. But, Over 10 years. Uh, to have the, the first ever... Uh, edition of Liège Baston Liège to see a return of um, Amstel Gold and and to have that proper triple crown of racing um, has made this week exceptional. It really has. Yeah, it's it's interesting because there's a big contrast to the week we just had and the week we're coming into. Because in the week we just had, we had uh, Ardennes, so uh, Amstel Flesh and the age we also had the Seattle classic which is mountain bikery we had the omelette van borsolet uh, junior junior stage race youth race elite itt elite road race and in the states the tour of the gila stage race and it's interesting when you compare how much coverage they all provided us with because, <laughs> and, and so last week we had that this week we've got four live racers Three stages of the Festival Elsie Jacobs. Wow. One, the, the Tour de Yorkshire women's race and mm. two rounds of the USA crits. Oh, my goodness. So it, it's weird because it's one of those weeks where Ardennes week is by far the most important and historically historically important and one will look back on yeah. and talk about as, as you know, is it going sure. to... I keep saying it, the pivotal year. Is it going to pivot us to yeah, greater yeah. and better things? Or is it going to pivot us to we had this one chance and then they just dropped it on and we, us? And we squandered it. Yeah, exactly. And and I think this is where you were going. But to me, it's deeply, deeply ironic that the least visible of the races has been these most significant of races. Yes, yes, because it's this week is going to... this. I mean, we had uh, better coverage, I'd argue, to be able to follow than for... Omnit van Borstelay than we did for the um from 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 Liege in that they had a ticker mm. so you could walk yep. and see a ticker in two languages. They had finish line videos from the June, you know, from it from it from every stage, and it's it's. I, I really did appreciate the Liege Baston Liege video interviews on Twitter, but they're but yeah. That's that's like that's that's. But that's 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 scraps under the table, isn't it? I mean, that's that's you know that's the kind of great stuff to to round out basic coverage. Yeah. You know, that's not a starting point. That yeah. should be that should be the extra stuff that you add. You know, and for me, a major frustration was it's all well and good to offer up a, a live periscope feed of the finish of the race. I mean, it's an incredibly infinitesimally simple and and basic gesture. Um, but I was outraged when it was sideways. <laughs> and I'm just like, for fuck's sake, that's the easiest thing in the world to test. How can you, how can you, like, 
like not only are you offering the simplest basic thing, but you didn't even bother to fucking test it. <laughs> like, ouch. I think, ouch. I think the problem is is that the ASO is the biggest race organizer in the world. Their websites are mm-hmm. amazing for information, you know, for, for, for pre-race information. They've got a really high standard of social of social media, although their social media is only one way. Like they're not they they that it it makes it a frustrating experience because it's not just me it's me and everyone else asking hey are we going to see this race live nothing yeah on one way social media platform and mm. I I don't I got told I get told off a lot and especially this week oh you are so negative and we'll get onto that with the second part of La Course because um <laughs> because we've got that coming we've got that to talk about we've got the um mm. we've got the the polemica of the um Ella Cycling Tips secret pro column we've got a lot yep. of racing and i really 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 want to talk about Lizzie Danan as well so um <laughs> we have to we're on a time limit guys because dan needs to go out into tokyo again so we'll try and we'll try and crack through it <laughs> but yeah so when we left you we left you last week and we just had amstel gold race and fleshwell on amstel gold was won by anna van der Brega, um with uh, with her teammate Lizzie Danan in second place and in third a historic double podium of uh, Katarzyna Kashinyodoma and Annemiek van Vleuten um, in joint yep. third in Flesh Wallon uh, it was Anna van der Brega <laughs> yep. with Lizzie Danan in second and Kashinyodoma in third and Annemiek van Vleuten in fourth so the big question going in was can Anna van, sorry, Anna van der Brega. Anna van der Brega. Win. Yeah, can can she win the triple crown? And can she had, actually do it? And we had a we had a bit of a we had a bit of a disagreement about what we thought was going to happen. Because... Well, um, exactly. For me, the open question was because Lizzie was Lizzie Danian was doing so much work on behalf of Anna van der Brega that I had to ask the question: Is that is that part of a deal? Like, is Lizzie? working for those first two races so that she gets the the mantle of full team support for the first LBL ever. See, uh, I, I disagreed. I thought that what Bowles Dolmans were doing was taking the Olympic champion and seeing if she could be the first woman to win the triple of all three mm. Ardennes. Now, only two men have done that in the past, David Rebelland yeah. and uh, Philippe Gilbert. So I thought my, my bet was that uh, it would be... It would be... Um, it was it was going for Anna yeah. van der Brega. But let's also talk about what else happened because this is the last of the big spring classics. Now we have the Tour de Yorkshire at the weekends, um, for sure. Yep, yep. But this is but that's not that that's it's a split peloton this weekend because there yes. are tons of races. Um Yeah. Well Ed, let, let's put it this way. Like the first ever edition of Liège Best on Liège is going to draw everyone with an interest in a hilly classic. But but you especially, know, like, but especially when you haven't won any world tour races so far this season yes because yes. let's let's just run so run through the world tour strade was won by elisa longo borghini of um wiggle high five drenta was won by balls dolmans um Amali, Ami, amelia didrickson um in her rainbow jersey uh um binder trofeo alfredo binder was won by corin rivera in a very surprising bump sprint of team sunweb uh, Hent Wevelgem was won by uh, Lotta Lepisto of uh, Cervelo Bigler. Uh, and then we got to R- Ronda van Vlaanderen, which was also won by Team Sunweb. So before the Ardennes week, 
Sunweb were the best team, and yep. uh, and and Corin Rivera have got the best results with two wins and one podium. But absolutely, as we've been saying all through the season, what we didn't know was who was peaking for the Ardennes, and we said this last exactly. week. Exactly. And when these races were announced, I mean, that was one of those things that, like, you could sense immediately it was going to change the shape of the season because there were riders who would absolutely target these races as a priority over uh, some of the races that they may have traditionally targeted and trained for. Um, You know, when you're a Lizzie Danen or a Mariana Voss, for example, because at the start of the season, you know, form is open and um, illness is not predictable... um, you know, you're looking at your own Palmares and going, well, look, I've got a lot of the cobbled classics, but this is the first ever of this race. That's 100% historical. It's not like a record that someone can beat. It's a thing that can never, ever be taken away from you. Of course you target this. Yes, yes. And you also end up with that thing of, say if you're Orica Scott, where Annemiek van Vleuten has has been Mm. very, very successful, or if you're Canyon Schram, or if you're WM3, you... At the start of our Dens week, you've got three opportunities, three more opportunities to win a World Tour uh, Spring Classic. And then it ticks down. Right, you've missed Amstel. You've missed Flesh. This is your last chance. The last chance this season to win a Spring Classic. And it's and it becomes a little bit more antsy, a little bit more, a little bit bit more, more serious really yeah exactly the intensity of it uh ramps up a fair bit and it becomes one of those things that you you kind of have to really force yourself to um sort of calm that at the same time because your ambition increases and the the intensity of the pressure of it increases but you've got to manage that so you've also got to sort of try and push that to the back so yeah yeah it's it's i mean so so we kind of yeah you come into it Pressure is interesting, and this race, there are attacks from the start. It's 135 kilometres, only four categorised climbs, um, and a la- only the last 35 kilometres on the same roads as the men's. It happened like hours before the men's started, so they didn't get the full-on the age experience because a lot of fans weren't there. And it's not like something like Flesh or Flanders, where you know that if you bag a good spot on a climb, you can see the peloton coming through you know two or three times for the men and a couple of times for the women as well so you want to get there early this is yeah this is a one time it's a one time offer it's a loop race for the men from liege baston liege and oh i last year i said i didn't know if the women went through luxembourg they start in Lux- luxembourg idiot <laughs> like, oh. Oh. <laughs> well i mean but arguably i mean to be completely honest this race for the women could also just be renamed baston liege like it's it's you know it's one of those ones where the cruelty of um arbitrary uci regulations about race distance you know make a a somewhat of a mockery of the the whole thing well i don't know though i mean i'm i'm you know you know my theory that i and i've I've been saying this theory a lot to people recently that i think that the limp the art all race distance is artificial right like yes true and I think that the, the women's race distance is televisually much more friendly. It's much more friendly for TV coverage because, you know, when you rock into the last hour of, of Ronde van Vlaanderen, for example, there's still an awful lot of um, a lo- an awful lot of uh, attacking and energy yeah. left, left, to, left to go. And, and you know, it, and there's a lot of there's a lot of action still to happen. So I am not I, I, I stand by this. The Sarah Connolly. Um, manifesto is a that 
I don't think I, I'd like to give her a racist and, t- and racist choice, but you know, I'm I'm quite happy with the race distance, as long as you know there is more choice and flexibility for stage races. B, I am a big fan of standalone women's races, and I'm a fan of women's races being on the same day as the men. Yeah, and I'm a fan of the women's races being the day before the men, and I am. Well, look, I, I, a... I, but my ideal calendar, my ideal calendar, is a mix of all of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I know the, I know the, the simple comparison is to say this is similar to you with the the peloton in general, where you love all the riders and all the things. But the truth is, there are a lot of different ways that uh, race organisers can make these kind of situations work and you know races on the same day work races a day apart work there's a commitment to um you know but it starts in my opinion with a commitment to providing the race and the coverage and you know there's a whole bunch of different ways that they can do it so and yeah yeah there's a really interesting piece on innering this week about whether about about his views about whether women's races should be on the same day or different days and i'm like well I like the mix. I love when they get the fantastic same crowds as you know, same crowds as the men get. Yeah, on on Flanders, on Flesh. I mean, Flesh is just incredible. I've been there in real life, and it's amazing atmosphere. And that atmosphere is wonderful to ride through. But you know, uh, but 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 if the question is, oh well, they can't cover both of them on the same day. I don't quite believe that because there's plenty of races that can cover both of them on the same day. You know. Yeah, um, exactly. And there's plenty of times when races are on different days and they don't get as much coverage. So, for example, you know, so you know, so yeah. Anyway, so it's it's not like, for example, that the races that don't go up against a big men's race are on TV and the races, you know what I mean? Like, and the races that yeah, do yeah. aren't. Anyway, we've talked about this. Um, uh, a lot. Uh, so <laughs> a lot. Absolutely. Maybe we should actually talk about the so race. We were, so, yeah, so it starts in Baston. It goes up. It's only got four categorized climbs, and the first categorized mm. climb is is eighty is kilometer eighty. And then when we talked about the Flanders Classics, we talked about these climbs going bang, 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 bang. Once they started, there's there's a ro- It's literally a roller coaster of of something every every couple of kilometers. But in this case. The four climbs are kind of spread out over the last 40 kilometers, roughly, you know, at roughly like 16 to 18 kilometers apart. And then the last climb isn't categorized, but it finishes on an uphill finish. Yep. But the other thing is, is that even when they're not climbing categorized climbs, they're, uh, it's all rolling and tough hills. And, and it's not rolling like, oh, this is very gentle and lovely. It's rolling like, ouch, 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 ouch. In other parts of the country, this would be, this would be, these would be the categorized climbs. So it's a tough race. And there were attacks. And, and one of the things that we found in the other races, we talked a lot about the early spring classics where they were uncharacteristically quiet for the first half of the races. And that was partly because it was a beautiful, beautiful sunny day. Um, partly because I guess it was the beginning of a very long season, but this, but the age was cold, and there were attacks, as there've been with all the the uh, Ardennes races, right from the word go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there were three or four attacks by kilometer fifteen. It was just crazy time. Mm, mm. So uh, there were. So I don't know. We're not going to go bang through all the attacks because they weren't. They didn't. You know, the, uh, well, look. To be honest, I mean, in a classic women's race, and in, especially in a classic, and especially in an Ardennes classic, I mean, we, we'd be what like a seven-hour podcast if we tried to cover every attack. Yeah. Like... So there were lots of them, and <laughs> but the kind of but the kind of um, and my, uh, Tiffany Cromwell on La Redoute. 
before Lara Dutz was great. I mean, Tiffany Cromwell was a late call-up, apparently, and just seeing her attack and do her Tiffany thing was just awesome. So sad she was caught. But the key attack went from Cassian Uadoma, I think. I mean, and also, here's the other thing, is that all these little rolls, all these climbs, every time they attacked they just lose half the peloton. So people go, oh, yeah, you know, the peloton. It's not the peloton. It's 35 riders in front. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, they... uh, and, and, and it is one of those crazy things that, I mean, we talk about the attritional nature of women's races a lot and, and that sort of thing. But it's it. Well, yeah, we are. But it's also hard to overstate the significance of it because it's a completely unique style of racing that, that sits with the women. You know, the men do not race these races this way. They just don't, and I'm not saying I'm not saying one's better or, or worse. I'm, I'm totally saying one's better, um, <laughs> but but to each their own. But the thing is, it, it you've got to take that as a key component of how the tactics evolve on the road. And I think this is one of the things that um, can trip some newer fans up in in terms of the sport as well. Because if you are familiar with and used to the men's style of racing, this this can seem a little chaotic and a little confusing at first. Yeah. And someone was saying that, oh my goodness, it's a, it's a signal of how tough this race is that only 60 riders finished or whatever. And it's like, no, that's that's a signal of, of women. That's what the classics are all like. Yeah, it's sort of a signal of how tough they raced it, you know. And, and it's a fine distinction, but it is a very important distinction, you know. Also, if also the depth of field. Like, there is a bigger drop-off in absolutely, the for, men, that's, for, women, for, women, for women and for the men. So That's definitely an aspect of it, but I maintain that, for example, if the women were likely to race this in the same basic format as the men, where, you know, an established break, a fair bit of tempo, and then attacks towards the end, um, you would have a much larger number of those riders finish the race. But because it's such an attacking style, and because it's so aggressive right from the gun, um, it does change the nature of who can and can't complete the race. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, while there is a definite drop-off and no no denying that, um, it is, in my opinion, mostly down to the style of racing, not the actual difficulty of the, the parkours. Yeah, 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 because even, even like, I mean, this is the thing, is, is we say this all the time, it's not the most, some races are not the most interesting course in the world, but my God, they, they race the fuck out of it. So, yeah, so... Um, so when when was when did that last major break go? I can't remember. Was it on the last climb? I mean, it basically always is on the last climb. But I, I think actually the second last climb was probably the one that um, that really started to define who was and wasn't going to make it. Um, which in the story of the race, I mean, basically meant that we were um, looking at. Well, yeah, I. Oh, geez, it's hard to say, isn't it? I want to say, all right, no, let me go back to conventional wisdom, okay? So conventional wisdom based on, on the race on the day was that, um, surprise, surprise, Cashew knew a Doma's attack was yeah. the one that really defined the race. And that was Lara Dute, wasn't it? No. No? Oh, jeez. Oh, no, that was Lara... Sorry, I, 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 can't, I just have to tell you guys, I, because my, I'm recording, normally Dan records, I'm recording this week, so I can't have anything else open on my computer, because normally I have everything <laughs> open so I can just bang through it, because I've got it all, all my sources, I've got all my tabs, yeah, all, I can yeah. do, all I've got open is this, so normally Dan has yeah, me, yeah, normally, Normally, normally Sarah is is the one who's got the detailed notes on which climb and and whatever. And so now I'm scrabbling, going, 
Oh, so just pretend that we're not on that Dan's not on holiday and that we're completely on it. We told you exactly where Casals and Unidoma went because Cassidy no, no, I'm went... pretty sure I'm pretty sure it was at La Roche, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure it's the last one. Anyway, so oh, I... Cassie and Unidoma okay. goes and yeah. she's and she does one of those beautiful Cassie and Unidoma and attacks, and it becomes a little bit of a uh, replay. I mean, the thing is, is when you've got three races in a week. Like, literally three races in eight days. If you're on top form for these races, you're going to be on top form for all of them, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, it's the benefit, actually, of this series of races, too, in that it comes together in a week. So it's a great it's a great opportunity to maintain that form. Yeah, and, I mean, although we did have Elisa Longo Borghini, of course, had been sick for... Uh, for, for sure, for, but, for I mean, I would have... And so didn't, sure, didn't but I would, I would argue for that, though, that Elisa had, had a much longer campaign than just targeting Ardennes week. I mean, yes, she yes. was so dominant through the, yes. the classics as well. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Elisa Longo-Borghini was... I mean, it, the, 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 she didn't ride... Because I, I said this last week, I thought Van der Brega would suffer from having ridden um, Health mm. Aging Tour because there was no Neodoma, there was no Van Vleuten, there was no Longo-Borghini... At, at Healthy Aging Tour, she her she was going up against riders like Lisa Brenauer and Ellen Van Dyke, who won Healthy Aging Tour. Yeah, but no, yeah. I mean, so you end up with so you end up with the same. Have, exactly, it seems to have kept her legs in just like perfect recovery sort of I'm, format. You I'm know, amazed. Healthy Aging Tours to have been the the perfect sort of you know maintained form without exhausting yourself kind of strategy for well, her. It's, it's it's the kind of thing. I mean, she started the season sick. And Lizzie Danen started the season um, disinterested, I think. Um, but they kind of... They, they good, went, good way to phrase it. But they definitely. both peaked for Ardennes beautifully. So you have Cassie Neodoma going. And with her goes Van der Breger, Lizzie Danen. Again, this is, this, is, this, is the, this is the same script for the last three races. Um, as well as them, Elisa Longo-Borghini. And I can't remember who was, but who was who, the other rider with them. But the break being missed this time by Orica Scott's Annemiek van Vleuten. Mm, now, mm. I feel for Cassie and Uadoma because last year, um, all her t- all her time in a pro team at Rabo Live, she was she was be able to tag team with riders like Van der Blegger or riders like Mariana Vos or yep. having riders like Lucinda Brand, like absolutely top flight super domestiques racing for her. This year she's pretty much racing solo and but she's yep. racing solo so incredibly well and i would argue that while it might be frustrating for her it's much better for her to learn what she can do solo than always be in like these tag teams that's what van der Brega uh, did van der Brega was fourth over and over and over again when she was riding for yep. singers um when she was still studying but when she was still studying part-time and when she yeah, stepped yeah. up to to rabo live and was able to kind of do that tag team joint, you know, joint two-pronged yep. attack with Voss and with uh, Neodoma. She was able to take take advantage of it. So while I yes. feel for Cassia, I think it's better for her career in the long term that she has this experience of what Absolutely. knowing what she can do by herself. And hundred percent agree. Hundred percent agree. I mean, I, I same. I I I have frustration on behalf of Cassia because she's had such a great performance and and. You know, she hasn't really done anything wrong. She's just been in situations that are uh, all but impossible for her to win out of. And and that's not really her fault. But I agree that, like, 
what you learn from those experiences. And bearing in mind that, you know, Kasia is still quite young. She's at the early stage of her career. She's got plenty of years left of racing if she wants them. Um, you know, and and there's nothing like knowing what you, as you say, what you can achieve when you're out there on your own rather than needing to rely on your teammates. It means that when you do have your teammates there, it's that extra little bit that puts you over the top. Yeah. And... Yeah. I mean, the other thing is, the other thing I wonder is, is Cassia, is she doing, is, are her tactics right? We talked all the way through the last couple of years, I think, about Rabo Lives. They were always the team to animate the race. They were always the team <clears> to start off the winning move, but it didn't, but it hasn't won out. So there's a question, but, but, so to devil's advocate myself, the problem is yep. that when Neodoma is, is there with Lizzie Danen and Anna van der Brega, what do you do exactly anyway. what else can you do what like seriously what else can you do but take your chances and this is i think this is part of why i like cash's style so much is because she to me seems um relatively fearless like she recognizes that you've got that one two of lizzie and anna and and that is always going to put you in trouble so the responsibility falls to you and she's not shy about taking that, you know, shouldering that responsibility, making the attacks and seeing if they can make yeah, it with her. But maybe, and maybe I, I have no to... doubt. I have no doubt though, that if there was a crack in Anna or Lizzie um, in either of those, that Kasia could have really turned those opportunities to her advantage. Yeah. It's not her fault that the other writers are also strong, you know, no, but would she be better off just sticking to Van der Belegas? You know, do, I mean, I am loving Lizzie Danen as Super Domestique. Um, yes. I think I, I she always was very good at this in the past. I, I really loved watching Lizzie Danen, her early attacks when she was racing with Emma Pooley, for example, mm-hmm. on uh, on Cervelo Bigler. And also the when she was racing in the flat races for um, for Kirsten Veeld. Like, you know, Lizzie would go out early and then you had um, then you had um, bigger you know bigger name riders to attack if she was caught and it was glorious watching her but we haven't seen that lizzie armitstead for a while because she's been this queen bee especially last year she's the rider that the super domestiques riders work for and when she's not on her top you know when she's not like you know she's a rider who seems to only be able to ride on when she's on top form like she has a lot of headaches she has a lot of stomach problems that kind of thing yeah yeah um, no i i get you and uh, look yeah, part of that is one of those like maybe it's maybe it's just the the fragility of a rider literally riding at the peaks of their limits or or maybe it's a rider who really only wants to target the stuff that really really matters yes, to yes, them or, you know psych- yeah. the, psych- the psychosomatic stuff of she can yeah, through yeah. when she wants to win but and of course lizzie danen has a lot to um she's she's not the most popular rider in the peloton because of what she mm. did last year her three missed tests and she's yeah. seen as a bit of a diva but yep. i have loved so i've loved this redemptive quality of lizzie danen as as ultra domestique like yeah i i mean honestly at the start of the season i wouldn't have expected her to take on this role with such no no commitment no. you know and yeah, like a plump, great word for it. Absolutely, and and just dedication to ensuring that she does best by Anna, and and she's performed that role exceptionally well. And I, you have to, regardless of how you may feel about Lizzie herself, like you have to pay credit to the work she's done. Well, I just, I'm just happy to see that old Lizzie Danen back. You know, that old Lizzie Armstrong mm. back. 
and and I'm happy to see in a team like you know this is one of the one of the crit- one of the negatives of balls was that while most of them were fantastic super domestiques for each other. I mean, we saw Lizzie do it. We saw Danan do that in, in the Giro Rosa a little bit. And we definitely saw her do it in the GP Plouet. But she, last year, but 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 it's not been as, you know, in the sp- when, before the Olympics, she'd raced 11 races and won eight of them, you know? Yeah. Like, part of that was she was so strong that she couldn't super domestique. But part of that was she just wasn't, if it wasn't a race that suited her, she wasn't racing it, you know? Exactly. If it wasn't for her, then she wasn't interested. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's, that, that was her goal, her goal with the Olympics. But, but this year it's, I mean, I, I, it's one of those things where you like, yeah, I, I, I like you, you know what I mean? I like watching you race. I, I, I like you. I like watching you. I like, I love watching her race. So, yeah. You end up with this small group, and you end up going up the climb. Um, so the they they oh yes they I think they hit it on the first climb. They the penultimate climb. They're together on the second climb. They've knocked everyone else out of the water, um, to a certain extent. And then you end up with like the the, the final climb where Elisa Longo Borghini loses touch with the group. Dana loses yes. touch with the group. They're coming in together, but they they come in together, and you've got that thing where what goes up must come down. You can lose things on the climb, but but rejoin on the on the on the on the um, on the descent. On the descent. Yep. yep. Anna van der Breger takes off in about kilometer four. Yes. And just in in one of those typical Anna van der Breger attacks, it's not a sexy attack. It's not a. It's, no. it, it's just it doesn't even look like an attack it's just that she rides away from the others yeah it, it was a very workwoman like approach but you know as she said in the the post race interview i thought i could try it if it didn't work i still had lizzie behind me yes and there was this so... great there was this great look where she looks round looks back lizzie nods to her and anna just puts it puts down the f- and and the thing is yep. when i watched that i was like that's a bit that's a bit not subtle like yeah but then it's also that's a very confident team though that like i actually really like that because it was a like it's a professional nod amongst colleagues you know like it's two people you hit that state you know when you know how people talk about flow like when you get into that that mental state where you're just doing what you do best and and it all comes naturally and whatever but how you can expand that idea out to to teams regardless of what your work is you know there's ways that that can come together in in sport or in in working life or whatever it was for me a moment of that where you know like it's a look over the shoulder with an unspoken question and an unspoken answer and yeah it wasn't subtle but it was just this beautiful moment of flow as a team but it's also psychologically devastating because yeah. I, I did wonder if there was a little bit of um acting in it too because <laughs> you know, because if you're um if you're elisa longa borghini or cassie Nuadoma and you see that where they're just not even bothering to hide the fact yeah yeah, yeah. i'm feeling strong are you feeling strong yeah i'm gonna go are you, yeah you're gonna go yeah. it's like yeah. even if you can go with her you know that they're both feeling strong and they're both yeah. like you know lizzie's giving her a thumbs up practically and yeah yeah why not yes off you go yeah, yeah, you go for it, and if these guys chase you down, I'm gonna fuck them up. <laughs> like, and we've seen how that happened before. So the script was almost exactly the same. Anna van der Blegger wins solo. Cassian and Uadoma does sterling work to try to drop Lizzie Damon, but can't. So Lizzie Damon overtakes her, finishes fourth, uh, finishes second. second. Uh, Anna, uh, Anna, uh, Cassian Uadoma third. Somewhere, I don't know where from. Ellen Van Dyke has Ellen Van Dyke basically teleports in and pulls in for fourth, I which is amazing. No idea what happened there, and I oh. just what the but fuck? You know, 
You know, the one subtle thing that might have made a difference to us knowing would have been some fucking video oh, coverage. God, but anyway. man, don't. Yeah. I mean, just... It, I yeah. mean, the thing is, is I really feel for InCycle. InCycle are making the UCI highlights this year, and they rely yeah. on getting their video from the um, from from the race... Uh, race uh, host broadcaster RTBF. Yeah. It was terrible at Flesh Wallon and it was terrible here. Like the quality now, is shoddy. It's bad uh, camera work. It's bad. Now, related related to that, I mean, I totally agree. But related to that, I do want to actually sort of go. I don't hold personally RTBF um, responsible for that because they're only able to apply the resources to recording that sort of stuff as the race organisers allocate to them. No, this... they pay. Don't they pay? I think they pay. No. Yeah, but that's my point. They pay, but they only pay however much they decide to pay. <sighs> yeah, I mean, the thing if is... You're, yes, if, you're, if, yes, you're paying, if you're paying yes. 300 euro for the day's coverage, you're going to get a certain quality yeah. of coverage now, as I... opposed to 1,000 and, and, and they and don't have, and they don't have the and somewhere where someone like Sportsa will do it anyway. Will do it. Will do exactly. it well because they do. They're, they're much better. They're much better at filming cycling because they have more cycling. Exactly, and that's my point is because that's literally the difference between getting a you know first or second year university student who's never covered a race before, never ridden a motorbike before, for example, um, you know, recording it for two hundred euro or whatever. And an actual broadcast professional, you know, yeah. and I mean, it's I, like to me, this comes back to and OK, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm biased. I'm open to people telling me that and I'm open to telling them to fuck off. But ASO, it sits with them as far yeah, as I'm it, concerned. It does. It does. Because some people say, oh, well, poor ASO, they're hamstrung by RTBF. But they're not because they make, no. they're the people who write the contracts when they're writing the when contracts. When you're the race organizer who literally broadcasts 21 days of the Tour de France without any troubles whatsoever, this year's Derek, every stage is completely live. This year, the Tour there's France. just no excuse you can give me that says we're not capable of showing the women's LBL. Like there just isn't, and the only reason that they don't do it well is because they don't fucking want to. And and it's really that simple as far as I'm concerned. And that's what needs to change. But this is, and we'll touch on this again later, this is my issue with every ASO organised race, including La Course. It is abundantly clear that ASO are not going we, to commit can to coverage. Can we get to that later? Can we get, can we get on yeah, that later? Yeah, yeah. They're not to more to quality Forced to is all I'm saying. Can we be glass half full for the moment? Because okay. that's just because we right. haven't... But so... so Anna van der Belegger, Lizzie, Lizzie Danen, Cassia Neodoma, same podium for all three Ardennes races. Yes, Did which you... is amazing to me, like just staggering. I actually tweeted this last night at the end of the race because, I mean, the Triple Crown is like an amazing achievement anyway. As you say, only two men have ever achieved it. Anna van der Belegger has now done that, which is incredible. But to have the same podium in the same order for all three races... And particularly in light of the fact that it is a one-two bowls versus Kasher as WM3, I, I just full credit to Lizzie and Kasher, like full credit. That is an amazing achievement for all three of those riders. Yeah, and some people were saying like it, it's like I, I think Peter van der Veen said this about I can't remember if it was Flesh or the, or this one that it was a it was a really uh, predictable it was a very predictable podium, but it was still edge of your seat racing. Mm, absolutely. It, it, it 100% was. Like, this is one of those things that, like, 
coming into it, I mean, we talked about this last week on the podcast where how could you bet against Anna van der Brega, honestly, given uh, what's just happened? But, like, it, it's just one of those things that it doesn't matter how predictable it was. This was a dynamic, exciting, thrilling race. You know, I'm, I, I was literally, I'm sitting here in my mate's place in Tokyo last night watching the race via Twitter. He's next to me working on something else and I'm giving him updates. You know, it's, I'm just like, oh my god, this just happened. This just happened. This just happened. You must like... be the most annoying house guest ever. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, actually, do you have actually, the results to hand? Do you have the I'm top deeply 10 to hand? offended by that. I'm deeply offended by that because I've literally been your house guest now. Yeah, so. that's, that's 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 what I'm going on. Do you have, do you have... Oh, so in we had Ellen Van Dyke um, for Sunweb. In fifth, Annemiek van Vlerten for Orica. This has got to have been a frustrating classics campaign for Orica. They have been so close for so long. I mean, and, and they've not quite got there. Uh, I, I do feel for them. In sixth, we had Ash Mulman Passio for Savello Bigler. Uh, seventh, Shara Gillow for FDJ Nouvelle Aquatine. Amazing. I know I've said this yeah. before, but it's so good to see Shara Gillow back in the top ten. Like being a top 10 racer. And I hope we see her more on podiums this year. And you know what? I really like that we've had this expanded Ardennes um, series of races and, and, you know, long may they reign um, for that. Because, again, it's it's opportunities to riders who who these races favour a little more. Yes, yes, yes. In eighth... Let's mention this one quickly. Olga Zabalinskaya. Cool. In ninth, Elisa Longo-Borghini for Wiggle High Five. Um, she was at 34 seconds, just for those keeping track at home. And in tenth, Cecily Utrup-Lidwig for Zavello Bigler. Um, you know, rounding it out, which is Ce- quite... Cecilia Utrup has just been... We, I talk, we've talked about her before because she was on the podium at... at yep. um, at Hent with Elgam. She is just, she won the Setmana Ciclistas uh, Valenciana and she's this young rider, she's twenty or twenty one. She's um she was she was the same cycling generation as Amalia Diedrichsen and she but she's been part time because Amelia did her 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 education, her, her high school or I can't it's something like the high school or the first year of university you know because different countries have different different mm, yeah it's probably like the, like you know maybe it looks like it's high school but it's like the first like like the same level as the first year of uni and Amelia has gone part-time and Cecilia went full-time for it Cecilia's now full-time pro cyclist and my god She's amazing. Like she's the rider. Yeah. She's she's a rider to watch. Just, just oh, a hundred percent rider and to watch. So Cecilia has had the the uh, young rider jersey nailed on. I think since the first since the first race. Yeah, uh, but I, I I know you've talked a lot about how the the Danish cyclists are are really on the up. But boy, like there's no denying it. Like you look at the the set of results. Um, you know, and and go through the season. You know, Emily Didrikson has been phenomenal. Um, Cecily, as you say, has had an amazing season. Uh, I mean, holy shit! I'm already looking towards my fantasy teams for next year. Just going loaded up with Danes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, take yeah. Danes. Like... Scandinavians. And mm. um, Annemiek van Vleuten, her consolation prize. Yep. Let's say was um, taking the World Tour Leaders jersey. Which, you know, I think that's part of what stands out for me about it is that her consistent performance throughout basically the entire Classics um, campaign 
has has been exceptional and but but even so as um you often tell us you know you ask any writer they're gonna say world tour leaders jersey is nice but i'd rather have the race win any race win any race win anyone give me me the first ever lbl a hundred percent give me She's not going to keep the World Tour Race Leaders jersey throughout the end of the yeah. season anyway because yeah. uh, Orica Scott just don't have the cash that other teams no, they have. Don't, they don't race the same seasonal program. Like, there's going to be a chunk of races through the middle of the season that they just don't attend. Yeah, and, and, you know, and also, I mean, the other thing is, you know, you said she must feel really bad about it, but, you know, Kat Garfoot had a ton of issues with mechanicals. Mm. And, I mean, Orica Scott, they... Uh, they're not on the same level as... Um, no. It's not like Cassia Nuadoma racing at WM3. Well, the thing about... I mean, obviously, Mariana Voss is sick and ill and isn't at her best. And I, I'm gutted about that because... Can you imagine in Ardennes week if Voss was on top form and Wait. Voss and Nuadoma were playing the Danan van der Blegger route? But... Oh. I mean, it would have been a, a, an incredibly like, oh my god! I think I would have died without live video coverage of a of a Voss Nuadoma versus Vanderbrugger Danen, like like two v two. Oh my god! I uh, my mind explodes just trying to comprehend that. Like yeah. that would have been amazing. But that's bike racing, you know. You never get mm. your you you hardly ever get your ideal yeah, field where everyone's on where everyone's on this on the. I mean, and and Bowles Dolmans all power to them they mm. we talked about this all season we predicted that this was going to happen i definitely had my eye on van der blegger van der blegger and danen peaking for ardennes week it's like yep. wow they've got now four they went from having at the start of ardennes week they had one world tour win out of five races now yep. they've got four out of eight that's amazing and oh, yeah, I, mean, I, I take my hat off to them because that is planning. absolutely and this is what we're going to see more of in the future this is really exciting i'm i'm i a hundred percent a hundred percent agree i mean this is the thing is is and i know we've talked about this a lot but as the calendar grows and expands and we get more of these races we're going to see teams target different things and we're going to get stuff exactly like this i mean it's astounding to me you know last year bowls won what was it 42 races yeah and so the sort of story at the start of the season, and, and I mean, no one expected them realistically to repeat that, but the start of the season was, where's Bowles? What are Bowles doing? You know, and then it turns out, and we kind of knew, but boy, have they shown it, Bowles was doing our tens. Yeah, and big shout out to Megan Guarnier, who was doing some awesome do- super dog yeah. sneaking. Um, yeah. In before before the before the attack went like some superb super domestiquing in the way that mm. only Guarnier mm. does, but she's just come yep. back from having a concussion and a really shitty spring, and I'm yep. really glad to see that she's back. And so on let's, that, let's... you know, on that, um, Megan finished in twelfth at one thirty three back. Like you know, that's not that's not um, nothing. You know, it's not a, an unrespectable result at all. And as you say, back from a concussion and doing super domestiquing. So yeah. Um, let's bang through some other races. Sure. Uh, Tour so, of the Healer. Tour of the Healer in the US, yep. Let's just do this uh, really quickly. It was a little right. bit of a UHC walkover, United Healthcare. United Healthcare were completely gutted not to be in the top 20 of teams um, and get their automatic invites to the World Tours. 
Um, yes. They were really upset about that because the top 15 ranked teams get automatic invites to the stage races. The top 20 yeah. gets automatic invites to the day races. They, I think they were 21st. And the reason that they yeah. weren't was because they'd uh, had a lot of transfers out. So the, Which it's, is, so, it, so, it's, a, it's a cruel kind of harshness to, to have that happen. I mean, you know, again, that's also, well, it's not racing, but it is cycling. But I, I do understand their frustration with it. But boy... Boy, they don't fuck around when it comes to their home races, no, do and, they? And they've basically picked up. And you know, I, I was thinking about this. They're going to pick up a bag of all the USA UCI points mm. and be mm. back in Europe next year. But yeah, um, yeah, stage one was won by Katie Hall with her teammate uh-huh. Winder in second, with Sarah Bergen of Rally in in um, second place. Uh, stage two wasn't won by UHC. It was won by Lex Olbrecht. Uh, who was oh, out in a, awesome. a two-woman yeah. breakout, breakout with uh, Taylor Wiles of... Lex um, is riding for Tipco this year, yeah? yeah? Taylor Wiles yep. of EHC. So Taylor Wiles took over the jersey. Scotty Lechuga uh-huh. uh, was with them but was dropped. Um, third, the ITT. Who won the ITT? Um, oh, jeez. I actually don't know. Stage You're going to have to help three? me on that. Stage three? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have stage three with me. I need your yes, help. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I sent. I sent you the link. Uh, you sent me. Oh, CQ Jesus. ranking. Just open that CQ ranking. Oh, there it is. <laughs> God, it was Leah Thomas. This is so bad. <laughs> oh, so so bad. Stage four was uh, a crit. Um, yep. which was one that was by, the downtown Silver City criterion won by Emma, Emma White. White of uh, Rally, I think. Uh, yes, I believe so, yes. Um, at stage 5 was another road race, won by Dan... Stage 5 was won by Katie Hall, with Taylor Wiles in 2nd and Ruth Winder in 3rd, being a complete UHC podium. So what was the final GC? Final GC wound up being um, a... Oh, jeez, gotta scroll, gotta scroll. Here we go. Taylor Wiles. <laughs> Taylor Wiles in 1st. Katie Hall for UHC also in second at 2.08 back. And Leah Thomas for Show Air 2020 at 2.48 for third. Um, yeah, so, so very strong from UHC in first and second. Yeah, UHC kind of definitely batting above, but def- definitely in a different league from everyone else this week. And it does yep. make the, it's going to be very interesting in the Tour of California because they've got a lot to prove. They've got a lot to prove there. And so I'm looking forward to that. Um, over in the Netherlands, we had the Omloop van Borselet, which was lovely, lovely, lovely race. Um, the ju- junior race always makes me happy. It's the last of the four Nations Cup races. Uh, you know, same roads, same course as the as the elite women, just like the Healthy Aging Tour, but not as good. <laughs> <laughs> Subtle much. <laughs> I, I work on the health issue. No, I love Borsolet. They have like a live ticker in in Dutch and English every for yep. every single stage. Um, the overall uh, there's and um, Pfeiffer Georgie. I've only realised it's Pfeiffer Georgie, not Georgie Pfeiffer. I'm so sorry. Uh, was out in looked like started the second stage. It started the final, the third step, and the final stage in the GC leaders jersey. But Amber van der Holst of Beat It. Uh, had won stage two. Amber van der Holst has been knocking at the door of a big Junior Nations Cup win. She lost to she she don't don't think she raced the Junior Trofeo da Moreno. She was yep. second in Henkvelgen before behind fight for Georgie. She was second behind Lorena Wiebes, Wiebes uh who'd won Trofeo Junior Binder 
all the way through the healthy healthy aging tour like she finished second on gc she was second on a load of stages so when she won stage two that was her first nation's cup win and wow. then she got picked up in sprint immediate points and won the final gc um ahead of lorena Wiedes and pfeiffer georgie um or georgie pfeiffer <laughs> Um, uh, and yeah it's just stunning no surprise that having won three out of four of the races the Dutch have won the Junior Nations Cup <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm utterly shocked uh, <laughs> it's it's so unlike the Dutch Borsolet <laughs> uh, um, normally Borsolet has a gigantic field because Borsolet yeah. used to pair with another race on it used to be Borsolet and I can't remember which other race it was I think it was Eisel Delta um, together and Borsley has a has an ITT that's a domestic level ITT, but used to get the top field because all the top teams were riding the next day. This year, yep. all the Borsley races had a much 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 reduced field. Um, Haley Simmons won the the domestic level ITT, and then in the UCI um, race, the road race on on Saturday. Uh, there was a lot of teams who weren't there because they were all, because they could not, you know, <laughs> if, if you're staying in the Ardennes for three weeks, you're not going to nip up to uh, yeah. Netherlands. But you... one, one team that was notably there was WM3. And yep. uh, their rider, uh, Rihanna Marcus, who's one of the riders I absolutely loved watching last year. She got into at least yep. three breakaways in the Giro. She got onto the Giro podium. Definitely an up-and-coming rider. Rihanna Marcus was out solo. She was then joined by Eugenia Bujak. Behind her, there was a group of about eight riders, which included her teammate, Mariana Voss. Mariana Voss, yep. And um, so almost inevitably, Rihanna Marcus wins, Eugenia Bujak second, with Mariana Voss in third. Now, yep. this is not only the Marcus's first UCI win, it's also WM3 Pro Cycling's first road UCI win. Wow. Which is, is kind of huge when you think about it. I mean, there's a couple of things that stood out for me there. First of all, two of the top ten riders were not Dutch, uh, which, uh, you know, I guess for Borsley, it's not entirely surprising, but again, it just shows the strength of Dutch cycling. Um but then also that Voss won the, the bunch sprint for third. Um, so, again, in that, that broader story of where's Mariana at, uh, it's something to take note of. No, but I think the thing is, is, is Voss won that bunch sprint for third. But Voss is not, he didn't have climbing at all. Mm. And it didn't have a good field. And Voss basically won that bunch sprint for third because she's fucking incredibly intelligent. And especially when she's riding against a reduced field, she's going to have everyone else absolutely shit scared. So, Voss, sure, so, I'm, so I, I mean, don't think that doesn't that mean she can't do that to the the elite field no, when I, the time I, comes. I, no, but I yes, yes, but Voss is not at her best. Voss isn't mm. well, and I, you know, I'd love to True. say this was the big, this was this was the return of Mariana Voss, but even the fact that she was racing Borsole and not racing the age yep. is a big deal. So let's talk. We have let's talk other things. Um, okay. Probably the big two things, two scandalous things, and I've got a positive. <laughs> scandalous, indeed. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Um. Well, all right. Let me let me start with the one that raised my eyebrows a little bit, which was um, I think it was just oh god, I sound like such a wanker. You're gonna love this. So just after I landed in Tokyo. 
God, he's going to be one of those. Yeah. I told him before we started, he's going to be one of those boys for the rest of his life. It's like because Dan's going, oh, motor, to, Dan's I... going motorbiking into. He's going to on a motorbike road trip See, into, you... in in Japan. All right, he's going to have an amazing time. But for the rest of his life, he's going to be like, oh yeah, well when I was in Tokyo, oh yeah, in Tokyo they do it so much better. All right, so now like you're you're bragging about that shit more than I am. So this is kind of embarrassing for a whole bunch of other reasons now. Um. No, but I I got back to my mate's place, you know, hooked up to the Wi-Fi, checked my email and that sort of thing, and noticed on my Twitter that there were a few people talking about the Ellis Cycling Tips Secret Pro uh, column and the most recent version of, um, which for those playing along at home who may not have read, included some interesting stuff. Now, we've talked before about a whole bunch of things, including, you know, who we think may or may not be writing this column. Australians. Um, yeah, but more than one also, Australian. Yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't really feel to me like it's actually a pro. It feels more like it's you know pro sending emails and and then being condensed or something. But whatever it is, you know that's sort of to the side. But we've also talked about the nature of the kind of random subjects that it tends to touch on, which I think is possibly a result of that. This particular column touched on, I think, two areas of potential controversy. One which seemed to catch on a lot more than the other, but but they both sort of drew attention for reasonably obvious reasons, um, which were it mentioned eating disorders in the peloton and then um, name checked Mara Abbott. And they, which, said, and they specifically said that they were. She specifically said the secret pro. They specifically said that they did, were glad that Mara Abbott didn't win the Olympic Games because it was a. Um, because wouldn't have been a great look for up-and-coming writers basically now yeah. i was a bit surprised that people were so outraged about this i i before i start yeah mar abbott has had an eating disorder had an eating disorder had to leave the peloton because of her eating disorder came back having sought treatment but there's been various that not exactly very veiled references to mar abbott's eating disorder from people in the peloton for years i mean i think about um yoning dora uh, two years ago, talking about team, uh, talking about her team camp with mm. a, a rider who obviously had an eating disorder, and I think of Miranda Vries, um, which was harder to read between the lines of because she wasn't, you know. But there's, there's, you know, talk about. I think, I think Ina Teutenberg might have done as well. But it named Chetmar Abbott, and a lot of people got very upset about that. And I do see where they're coming from, but I disagree with with their bottom line. Their bottom. So some people are saying, "Oh, people won't come forward to get help if they know they're going to be called out." But I think that Mar Abbott was being mentioned not because she, um, not to call her out, but because she clearly wasn't getting help. You know, well, I don't also, yeah, exactly. Mar Abbott in the last year has has thought that she was right in her last year of cycling, thought that she was riding 100% healthy. And exactly. And I, I, in addition to that, tend to think that it is a little bit different when Mara herself has kind of opened that subject up a little bit. Yeah. You know, she, she has acknowledged that she's had this trouble in the past. And in the same way that, like, for example, if a writer said, I have a drinking problem, and then Heinrich we Hauser, saw... for example, talks about his yeah. drinking problem that he'd had. Yeah, and we see photos of him having, you know, post-race champagne or whatever. People would comment on that. And, you know, okay, I accept to a certain extent that there is a line there that needs to be judged about invasion of privacy. But at the same time, when it's been publicly acknowledged, I do think it's there's a certain amount of fairness in going, well, look, this is the mood of 
the peloton this is the mood of those who are on the inside yes, you know uh, yes there's two other things i want to say about it one is that there's eating disorders are so prevalent in the peloton mm. that it's very likely that whoever is the chic secret pro has struggled with especially if it's who i think it is um has struggled with an eating disorder themselves yeah yes and, so, and added and I, to that, so I, I was going to say, we've, we've also seen several other writers in the recent years, much to their credit, talk about their own issues, either with eating disorders or, or flirting with eating disorders. Yeah. You know, it's not like this is an unknown thing in professional cycling. No. I mean, if anything, it's under-talked about on the men's side of the sport, you yes, know. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Now, and that's part two of what I want to say about this. Part two is that there are four narratives about women's cycling okay in the press four four dominant narratives um one i have given up so much to be a professional cyclist because i love my sport i am an in brackets she is an inspiration two mm. i have come back from a hideous accident injury and it's been really a struggle but i'm back and i really love my sport and i still want to do it brackets yep. she is an inspiration <laughs> three in the last couple of years i have had depression i have had an eating disorder I have had, you know, I've struggled with this. This is who I am. It's not been easy, which I really love that narrative. It's a relatively narrative. And then, f which I guess can be seen as either she is a victim or she is an inspiration, depending on which side you stand on. And then four is, I have not got paid my wages, slash I've been sexually abused, slash I've, you know, slash I've, I've had problems, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Which I think four is, absolutely... is the worst of all possible narratives. Yeah. Which I, which I absolutely love and think is important to say, but it often yes. gets told as brackets, she is a victim. Yeah? Yes. Now, what yeah. the secret pro does is that we've had a male secret pro for years and years and years. What the female secret pro does is provide a different narrative, which is a bit like, I'm a bit of an asshole. And yep. I'm not, and I don't necessarily say what what I'm not. I'm not. I'm not being a nice woman. Yes. You know? I'm not being a nice girl. Um, it, it's so rare that when when yeah. we 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 get the Lance Armstrong versus Alberto Contador played out in the press, mm, mm. we get Bradley Wiggins versus Chris Froome hating each other on the same team played out in the press but we don't tend to get those narratives from women because there hasn't been space for it we started 100%. out with the she is an inspiration oh and yep. and uh and, and maybe she's angry as well you know she's emma pooley she's angry yeah she's not always yep. angry emma pooley is amazing and she's really inspiring too but you know she, she's speaking out about injustice yeah sure so she's speaking out injustice she is an ins or she is an inspiration now we get here's the gossip here's what we're talking about in the peloton every day and that's yep. And that's, I I feel like we need to accept that as people, as the sport grows and the media grows, there is going to be room for more voices and more voices that people, that we don't and like. Exactly. More voices that don't, don't conform to established narratives of women in the peloton or women in general. Because as you say, there's this huge social expectation that women are polite and thoughtful and considerate and, and giving to everyone else. Whereas... You know, living in the real world, as we all know, women are quite equally capable of being plain spoken, blunt, yeah. and or, or, and sometimes and sometimes annoying or, slash offensive. Or it gets categorised into women being bitchy. Yeah, men yeah. are seeing as spoken their mind. So if, yes, if Mark yes. Cavendish criticises a teammate, criticises his um, a, another rider, or if if people criticise Team Sky, they're not being men. They're not being bitchy. 
they're being yeah, no. they're being forthright and speaking their mind yeah. whereas women get you know if women do things like this it's like it's a scandal so the thing i didn't like see i thought so i take your point if you're one of the people out there and you're like no but they shouldn't have mentioned mara abbott's um uh, eating disorder in this way two things one the eating if you're riding with a severe eating disorder it's you're a danger to yourself and you're a danger to other riders right yep um it's it's dangerous and it's a bad example for young for young people i think that i we all are we all are guilty of trying not to be trying to be oversensitive and not say i think that rider has an eating disorder you know we've we've talked about it offline but we don't mention it so much online because it feels like it's a bad thing to do but it's something that every single rider in the peloton has knows you know well exactly because the the, that's the difference between and and that's part of this column too is it is literally the difference between being a fan who's watching at a significant remove no matter how closely we follow the sport we are not in the peloton we're not on the training rides we're not in the races we we have a significantly removed perspective whereas someone in the peloton sees it much more up close they 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 see details that we don't have access to and you know there's a a validity to that expertise really yeah yeah and but but i do take your point if you're yelling at me right now i take your point too i think it was not well written and I don't think it's it's you know I don't I don't you know I think I, I wish it was part of a narrative that you know part of a lot of different ranges of different people talking about eating dis- eating disorders. I come down on the fact that even if you disagree about it, talking about how how prevalent eating disorders are in the peloton is really important. I do think it's a little bit um, crappy that it comes from a secret pro who's putting it yeah. out there without their own without saying oh yeah you know well you know because because I mean there's all sorts of writers who we could say who could say yeah actually that was me and look at what i've talked about my own eating disorder or that was me and actually i've had an eating disorder in the past but i've never talked about it i'm a hypocrite or yes that was me i'm talking about something i don't know but my but my best friend did or i just don't know what i'm talking about do you know what i mean there's like that that that's a shame that it comes from it comes from an an, an anonymous person but then you know sure but i mean also at the front end of these sorts of things you know as we're talking about you know building a culture where people can discuss these things i mean it does sort of make sense that a certain amount of it comes from a place of anonymity to start with so yeah no. And oh, look, I, I think that's a valid thing that, um, you know, Anne-Marie Rook, the editor at um, Ella Cycling Tips, um, when she published a, a follow-up to this article, uh, touched on, you know, and I do think that's a fair point um, that, that you know, providing a certain anonymity to writers to be able to express themselves in ways that they can't as freely do when when their names and careers are on the line is a fair point. Uh, the only other thing I just want to talk about, it also got criticism for talking about lesbian relationships in the peloton. I missed the criticism of that, but clearly there was, um, because Anna Marie mentioned it in her excellent, excellent response to feedback. The thing I yep. was a bit annoyed about was it kind of implied that the reason that women, are, the why, there's so many, why, there, why there are women in relationships with women in the peloton is because there aren't any men around. Mm. that did piss me off as a card as a card carrying member of the lesbian nation i, I don't know what i am um, as a card carrying member of the technically bisexual nation um 
who's just been partnered for a very long time i i disagree with that and 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 it's it's like something that it's a trope that's often put out there about about women that oh well you know women are lesbians because they can't find a good enough man or women are lesbians because oh they just have a much more emotional connection with other women and it's like yeah there's also other reasons why you might um, be a lesbian but yeah (laughs) <laughs> but I really, really admired what I admired most about all of this was Anna Marie Rook. Although yep. I think she took too much responsibility for it. Look, I, I personally, I I agree with that. I do think she took a little too much personal responsibility. But also, as a person who has at times had editorial roles and and had responsibility for managing teams and stuff, I really respect that because it's the same attitude I take to those things where. If there's a mistake, I'll fucking take it on my shoulders, you know. Well, I kind and of wish, I kind of wish that whoever was the secret pro or whoever contributed to the secret pro and wrote that bit had come out and owned her own words. Yeah, but I, 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 I see that utopia absolutely. But you know, at the same time, you know, on on a slightly different tangent, I do really respect that Anna Marie has done what I would expect a good editor to do, and you know, taken on rightly or wrongly um you know the bulk of the responsibility i respect that we have hit an hour people and we still have one <laughs> to go but i promise we're going to keep it short and snappy because we will keep it short into tokyo actually it's quite easy to keep this one short on mm-hmm. saturday i think um maybe on friday <laughs> the aso held a press conference to talk about their women's cycling coverage now i didn't hear about this in advance but had i heard it about it in advance i would have expected that this press conference would be there to talk about whether or not there was going to be a women's paris roubaix yeah that's the question people have been asking all week will there be a women's roubaix you'd think you'd think that if they were going to make a big announcement you know it would be something along those lines like hey we've got great news or 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 possibly the other thing that you know i might have thought was oh yeah we've just sorted out a deal to show live video of the last two hours of lbl or something like that you know like just something something head-turningly good it was head-turning okay. <laughs> it was at least part of that that's true so, of course <laughs> um for the past two two years three years la course has been held on the champs elysees on the final day of the tour de france and it's been a, a about 80 kilometer 90 kilometer race um crit for the women to race before the men hit the tour de france the champs elysees when it first came out and i criticized it people oh sarah you're so negative you should, you should <laughs> we should embrace this because this is a complete new start they're going to you know it's a great beginning it could step into something more last year it seemed like there was going to be an extended la course because of the way they'd asked other races to move but it's going to be this year a race up the cold is award um only 70 something kilometers literally a, a 69 kilometers a junior length race now mm, some people yeah. say this is because it's literally the only place where it could start they can't ride the full distance that the men ride, so they have to ride 70 kilometres. I have been to bike races. I am not entirely <laughs> sure how this stacks up, especially given that the roads in the Tour de France are always completely shut in. Um, you know, well, it's not like a road, not, road closure. Not, yeah, exactly. And and not to mention which, you know, I mean, we both have a, a good friend from Podium Cafe and, and on Twitter, um, you know, Wills, who, who is at Cycling Alps, who routinely points out the multiple ways you can climb the various goals he, he loves climbing the alps and and there's plenty of ways that you could turn this into a decent length race like yeah 
Yeah. So, so the UCI have announced that they're actually going to do something different with it. The top, <laughs> the top 20 riders who, to finish the, the course, the next day are going to drive um, three hours, four hours to Marseille and ride a pursuit-style race on the men's ITT course. Yeah, on the same day as the men's ITT. Now, we don't know whether that means the only the logical way to look at it is it might be like ski biathlon where the fastest person starts first and then other people are set off at time increments so second yeah the person who finished cold is second starts second the person who finishes third starts third and the first one across the line wins however maybe we don't know because there has been nothing about this except for a couple of tweets there's yep. nothing on the race website. There's been no kind of... I mean, if there has been a presser, no one's written about it. Oh, that could be because Liege Baston Liege was on. <laughs> it's just... Oh. It's it's so frustrating. I mean, the ASO has always been a bit dodgy about women's races, right? The Tour of California... And they've got a really odd thing about an invitational race. They tried this yep. in the Tour of California. Um, you know, they, they had the famous Tour, Tour of California... Invitational ITT. Invitational yeah, ITT. Which which is just nonsense. I mean, an invitation ITT is really stressful because it's not the best ITT riders in the world, yeah? It was in in the Tour of California's race, it was very specifically the most American riders in the and then North American riders they could find. So, why this is a problem? A, they've announced this new LaCourse. I mean, A, it's ludicrous, right? I mean, you've called it Oh, look, 100%, 100%, I read it and I'm like, so these are basically it looks like UCI and ASO got scared by the hammer cycling concept and decided that they would fucking air quote innovate by jamming a pursuit style race in for the women and pretending that that was progress. Yeah, because what the hammer the hammer style is a velon owned thing, men only, where they have a sprint stage, a climbing stage, and then they have a pursuit team time trial afterwards because it's all about yeah. the team. Yeah, um, it, we've we've talked about how how problematic how we think this is problematic and dodgy, but you know whatever. Um, when it came out, ASO were oh well, it's rubbish. So now they've been scared about it and they've got this. This, I mean, the, but the thing that's really hard is with two months' notice, A, who has the money to do this, yeah? Mm. B, logistics are an absolute fuck-up because, you know, if you're saying it's, it's for the top 20 riders who finish on Col d'Isoard, that means you can't book your riders' travel home, your flights, your driving. Do you know what I mean? Like, like they, Yeah, yeah, they exactly. Going, like it's... There's very few people who be going to Marseille uh, the day after the day after the, the day after the tea, the, I, the, the, the yeah yeah exactly the cult of Islam. it's it's not like a normal itinerary or anything it's but, it's, it's deeply problematic for so many reasons but it's, if you're sending but if you're you know and you know they've got if you're if you're doing your you've got a team camp you've got you even just trying to get the what bike do you ride do you ride a pursuit bike hmm. do you ride an i do you ride an individual pursuit bike or do you ride a uh you know what the fuck it's just it's just kind of lud- you know the, the it is ludicrous. That's the thing. You've then got this scenario where a lot of women's cycling teams, the staff aren't necessarily full time. So yep. if you've booked in your mechanics and your drivers to then to ride the course and then take the bikes back to the service course, but yep. suddenly you're like, actually, hang on, we've now got to get a get actually well what we can do is if we have one right two riders in the top 20 we could stick a couple of bikes on the roof rack and then a mechanic yeah. and a swanee 
um, could ride, could both ride, could both go down to, to, to Marseille. Or you go, well, actually, do we take the camper van? But then what if the camper van's going back to the service course and that's where your riders are, you know, do you know what I mean? Take yeah, yeah, ride. exactly. It's just really It's just a mess. It is, yes. There's no there's no information about it it looks like bullshit and the thing is is i got i got i got told off by anthony mccrossan for oh you're so negative you know blah blah, blah. <laughs> oh, Sarah, you should be so excited this is an opportunity for the women to race on the deciding uh, day of the men's itt look i'm i'm sorry i do take a perverse delight in the like just disgustingness of men telling you off <laughs> like it's it's just it's grossly wrong it just Fuck! See, like it's never women. It's never your, women. You have your yeah, yeah, exactly. And and it's like, but I mean, of course, because women can accept that the world is a complex place full of nuance and diversity of opinion. And, and whereas it's not all men, I can't believe I'm not all menning because it's like, <laughs> it's like you know a lot of. Like... No, but there is that there is that very particular class, particularly in cycling, of men who are just like, oh, but you should just adhere to the orthodoxy. And it's like, well, how do you think change happens? Because yes. it's not people being satisfied with what they've got. Well, <laughs> especially when it made me laugh. Especially when I was when we started the, when when the when we were doing the We Want RVV live, and I got yeah, told, it, no, no, this won't happen. You shouldn't ask for it. But because of the campaign, it literally it was literally because of the internet campaign yeah, that yeah. it happened. So anyway, so when the organisers tell you that that's why it happened, I mean it's undeniable. Yeah. But anyway, so. I don't. I mean, the th the problem is, is the ASO is very, very powerful. I suspect mm. that no one knew this was coming because there was the women's. Um, uh, no, it looks commission. like a last minute decision. Absolutely, and it feels, and it especially feels like the last minute decision because it's not accompanied by a website which has all the details. So everyone's got. There's all these questions like, how will this pursuit work? Are they going to be providing a start fee for riders? Is there going to be any TV? Answer, no. They haven't organised that out. They're going to sort out that. Um, but yeah, so anyway. Um, yeah, we'll I mean... Tell I, you, we'll tell you about it when we know more. Yeah, if and when we actually ever learn any more about it, we'll let you know, of course. <sighs> okay, right. Crazy. Go to our website, prowomenscycling.com, and you can see videos from Liege Baston Liege and Beausoleil mm. and Achille and Sea Otter Classic and all sorts of things like that. Um this week i'll put you up a link of how to watch three usa crits in speed week awesome. speed week which is something like six races over eight days um in a very nice. specific part of the world sounds how to watch the last hour at least of all three stages of elsie jacobs uh, festival elsie jacobs in the in luxembourg awesome. how to watch the um i think the entire uh tour de yorkshire amazing uh lovely race gorgeous race um, all sorts of links and things like that. Oh, buy a copy of Casket, the amazing women's cycling magazine that I really, really like. Uh, it had one. Oh, it's a free. It's cool. free, but you have to pay postage. Um, yep. I really like it. It's got Miranda Vries on the front cover this time. Um, awesome. And yeah, um, contact us. I am at PW Cycling. Dan is at Dan W Official. He'll tell you all about Tokyo and show you his new tattoo. Um, well, look, honestly, it's um the bike culture here is phenomenal. So yeah, absolutely. Um also feel free to go to patreon.com slash women's cycling where for a couple of bucks a month you can support Sarah and uh, keep her in tea and biscuits while she keeps us up to date on all that happened in women's cycling. We will be back next week with uh, more racing because there's so much going on and hopefully fewer things to rant about because the world has got better. Who knows? We can keep hoping.
Mm, indeed. Thanks for hanging out with us uh, for, for this one. We'll talk to you again soon.